This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, February 16, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. After witnessing a president elected with unprecedented amounts of free media, who is at many times willing to sharply denigrate major news outlets, will the American left come around to a more robust view of the First Amendment? Luke Wacob of the Center for Competitive Politics believes so. We spoke this month. Throughout his campaign and since he has become president, Donald Trump has talked about the media in very negative ways. Either during or before his campaign, he sort of poo-pooed the notion of freedom of speech on a, on a number of occasions. He seems willing to make it more difficult for the press to do their job in uh, covering the administration and, the, and specifically the White House. So what uh, do you think is the likely alignment to come when it comes to a broad, robust recognition of the rights of petition, of speech, of association, and so on? Yes. Well, I think that you know, given all the surprises we had over the past year, it's very hard to make predictions about what's going to happen in politics going forward. But I think you're you're right that there is tremendous concern, particularly on the left, that uh, the Trump administration may be hostile to criticism, uh, that they don't play nice with the media, um, and and that they could they could be possibly a sort of thin-skinned uh, or sort of vindictive presidency. This is something that we've heard from his critics all along, that there's a motivation for revenge uh, sort of against the elites uh, as they see them. Um, so it, it's going to depend what actions the Trump administration takes. But for instance, you could see something like a repeat of the IRS targeting scandal, where this time it's groups on the left, maybe pro-immigration groups that are targeted, as opposed to uh, you know during the Obama administration, it was more critics of the Affordable Care Act and things like that um, that were having trouble at the IRS. And although that scandal got a lot of attention. Uh, Congress never solved the underlying problems in the law that give these executive agencies so much leeway uh, to potentially intimidate, harass, or just obstruct uh, opposition to the president's agenda. And so whether that is mainly a, a concern about the press or if it often also goes into nonprofit advocacy groups uh, is, is something that remains to be seen. But if it does go into nonprofit advocacy groups, then I think liberals will have to reconsider a lot of positions they've taken over the last decade or so uh, in order to defend their own right to speak out against this administration that they oppose. So Kamala Harris uh, <laughs> of California. Uh, Bernie Sanders uh, of Vermont have made a big deal about uh, dark money, as they, as they call it. I think that's sort of a ridiculous term uh, when applied to nonprofits who are advocating on behalf of policy issues. Specifically, with respect to campaign speech, Bernie Sanders has argued that he wants to overturn Citizens United, a uh, Supreme Court decision that essentially allows corporations and unions to talk in the same way to the public uh, the way that individuals can. I can picture in my mind, this is sort of a, a worst case scenario, I think, of a President Trump allying with Democrats like uh, Bernie Sanders, Charles Schumer, people like that who broadly just don't view uh, speech that is produced by a corporation to be uh, legitimately protected by the First Amendment. Um, and I can see an opportunity to 
uh, in, in a way triangulate and to get something through that would, in Donald Trump's eyes, punish media corporations that are saying, quote unquote, unfair things about him. Yeah, and it'll be interesting from a political perspective to see whether the Democratic base is so insistent on its members not cutting any sorts of deals with Trump that that's not able to happen. Or because I think if they are open to some degree of working with him on some issues, then maybe this is one uh, where they both have uh, some some views that are not good news for the First Amendment. Now, it's worth noting that the White House counsel for Donald Trump is Don McGahn, who served on the Federal Election Commission and was actually a very strong champion of free speech and critic of this uh, campaign finance reform stuff. A, pre- a previous Cato Daily Podcast guest, <laughs> and I'll, I'll refer in the notes to uh, my interview with Don McGahn. Yes, so we know that you know President Trump will be getting some good advice on this on these issues, um, but uh, is that going to stop him from trying to use the power of government against his critics? Uh, and if he does, will the left sort of wake up and realize that you know? What they've been calling dark money is actually donor privacy, which is essential for citizens to be able to support groups that can promote their political views without then having to feel like they could be retaliated against by the government. Um, you know, and whether those feelings are are real or are just imagined, if enough people have them, it's going to have a significant impact on who's willing to speak up and oppose uh, the president. And that's why donor privacy and free speech are, are so important. Regardless regardless of who's in power, is so that they can be challenged every step of the way. The, the, the important thing that I think people on the left uh, ought to realize is that there is no meaningful distinction that you can draw between, uh, let's say, Monsanto and the New York Times Corporation for the purposes of First Amendment protection. Yeah, and it's interesting when, especially when you see press outlets that are very negative towards corporate speech rights, like the New York Times, get presented with that argument. They have a response which I think is is very weak, which is basically just, well, the media is special. We we fulfill this important role in democracy of holding government accountable, and um, and so we're different. Uh, and we're different is not a very good constitutional argument for why your rights uh, should should prevail and, and others should not. You know why, particularly. Particularly when you know a wealthy person can purchase a media corporation, you know the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos, who made his fortune as the CEO of Amazon.com. We should note it's not owned by Amazon.com; yes. it's owned by Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yes, but um, so if you make your money in a business like Amazon, these you know people are going to be saying Amazon should not be able to spend this money advocating for its political beliefs. But someone who gets wealthy working for Amazon can then purchase a media corporation and and use it for that. And I'm not saying that Jeff Bezos does that. With the Washington Post, but that's what the system allows. So this argument that the the media is special, well, that it, it's not. Anyone can get into media if they have the money to do it. I, I guess if you were to make a plea to our friends uh, on the left, what would what would it be regarding uh, protecting and maintaining a robust First Amendment? Well, the left needs a robust First Amendment in order to, uh, you know, challenge Trump in the 2020 election and also to oppose his administration as it's going. We saw in the 2016 election the enormous advantages that Donald Trump had over the other candidates and how the restrictions that we've put on money and politics made it very difficult for other candidates to compete with him because Trump's a wealthy man. More importantly than that, he's a celebrity. He's incredibly well known to Americans and has been for 
decades, uh, and the media was just obsessed with him. His campaign events were frequently broadcast live on cable news networks. And so this raises the question of how are other candidates supposed to compete with that, candidates who are not famous, who have spent their life in public service or in politics? Uh, the answer has always been campaign spending. You can buy television ads, you make yard signs, you rent a bus and drive around, put your name and face on it, you hire campaign staff to go out knocking doors. These are how politicians get their name and their message out there. And we've spent, since the 1970s, there's been this project to limit and restrict and control how that is done. And then you get a media celebrity like Donald Trump come along and just blow that whole thing up. And so I think the left has to ask, you know, when we go into 2020, do we want to be hamstrung in that way again, particularly when he's going to be even more famous having had four years as president of the United States? Luke Wachov is a policy analyst at the Center for Competitive Politics. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.